With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Good evening and welcome back to Heart and Hand. This is Heart and Hand Extra, your second free show of the week. Joining me for tonight's, I was going to say post-mortem, but we're not going to get anywhere near as deep into it, thankfully, is that. Uh, joining me tonight is David. How are you doing? Uh, I'm, I'm all right, as, as well as you could be after witnessing a loved one suffer a horrific attack. <laughs> Absolutely. And Martin, the one that we always wheel out when there is a horrific attack <laughs> we need to talk about. <laughs> Yeah, there's no wonder I get this reputation. It is a joy to be with you both, um, maybe not in these circumstances, but we will try to make sense of the week that was. Yes, um, we are not, you'll be thankful, doing a play-by-play of all of the goals that were scored because we'd be here all week and for everyone's sanity, I don't think we need to do that. Um, I have had a few people. DMing me, asking me if I can do a tactical breakdown of the show over on Patreon? The answer is very much no. I can't, and I will not, ever. Um, but yeah, let's let's dig into it. So David, obviously, um, noises coming out pre-match from the manager were that we were going to go and get in their faces, we're going to press, we were going to have, have a go similar to, to what we had done in previous matches. And if we want to be even slightly positive about it, you can't argue against what happened in the first half in that sense, can you? No, you can't. Um, it was a very good performance. I thought we deserved to go in at the break level. We should have gone in at the break uh, up, but we gave away a dreadful, dreadful goal from our point of view from a set piece. Um, but the the manager had uh, got what he wanted, which is the players not to be playing the ball, short passes around the butter box because, as he correctly identified, Liverpool are a, a very good pressing team. Um, Liverpool attack when they don't have the ball. You know, that's the thing about the very top level sides and they're very good at it. And he knew that our passing and our movement wasn't good enough to be able to withstand it. So we we did go long and pick up second ball. We Every time we we shied away from that and we went back to, to trying that, 
uh, look at every Liverpool goal. Uh, if again, if you're a masochist and want to put yourself through it, there is a Rangers error, uh, there is a Rangers passing error in at least six of them. Um, and even the corner that the, the first goal comes from uh, comes from a loose pass uh, because we, we simply didn't have the ability to play that way and we had to play a more direct fashion. The concern that, that you had was will we be able to keep playing at that tempo for the full, the full 90? The answer was obviously not. But even so, what happened in the last 25 minutes or so was just completely unacceptable. There's there's a bit of an online debate, and I do feel it's a little bit like um, who got the nicest deck chair on the Titanic. But still, I think there's a, a kind of online debate about uh, you know people people saying, well, what what is chucking it? You know, what what does giving up mean? Yeah. Um, for me, it, it is a term that gets bandied about whenever a team plays badly. People say they chucked it. I don't agree with that. They didn't chuck it. I think against. Um, they didn't chuck it against Napoli, for example. Lost 3-0, but that was just the fact that Napoli were better and we went down to 10 men. Um, you know, St Mirren, we beat 4-0. They didn't chuck it. It was just we were better than them. What chucking it means is your head goes, you stop doing the basics, you stop chucking yourself into tackles, you stop doing blocks because, ah, we've lost anyway. Um, and then it just piles up and gets humiliating. And that's exactly what happened on... Wednesday night. Let's be clear about this. The expectation was not unfairly set by the fans before the game. The fans didn't think, oh, we are absolutely categorically going to go out and play well. Even in that second half, had Liverpool ran out and won 3-1, 4-1, even. I don't think the reaction would be that bad. They had to go some, the team, to make it a disaster. They did, and they managed it. And that, I think, is why the level of anger. Added to the fact, I've never seen a Rangers team concede seven goals. Certainly wouldn't have ever expected to, to, to see it at Ibrox. And, of course, there's going to be a vicious reaction. Uh, and I get all oh, Liverpool are a good side, no, the rest of it. It's just a simple fact. Rangers FC shouldn't be losing seven goals to anybody, no matter how good they are. And the manner in which we capitulated, and that is the word for me, uh, was, was just disgraceful, in all honesty. I agree with most with all of what David said there, essentially, Martin, but I'm just wondering about context. Now, devil's advocate, you've got people saying this is the Champions League. Um, what do you expect? Well, I don't expect to lose 7-1 to anyone, regardless of um, who they are. Um, financial disparity, absolutely. Um, but to expect to have such a heavy defeat against a team of that quality doesn't really ring true when you compare the financial gap that there is that exists between us and Liverpool to say us and Motherwell um, or us and St Mirren we don't beat them 7-1 every time we play so I get you're you're always going to have very black and white scenarios and the truth is always in the middle there but in terms of that oh it's the Champions League and oh it's such a big step up we have to expect these beatings I don't think we should ever be expecting um, two of the beatings that we've had in this in this game, more in, more in this league, sorry, more in terms of the manner of them rather than the actual number of goals that are going in. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to disassociate the, the manner and the result when it's so extreme. You, you tend not to lose 7-1 in a tight, well-fought contest, you know what I mean? Um, it, it, it probably has to be a, um, a bit of a poor show. Um, should we expect to? No. Would that happen nine times out of ten? Probably not. Um, 
But it does happen it against. It does it, it happen against Motherwell. It does it, it happen doesn't happen again if it probably doesn't happen if Goldson doesn't go off, but Goldson does go off and it still shouldn't happen. Yeah. But it happens in the Champions League. It does happen in the Champions League. Big results like that happen because the disparity is so huge. Happened to Celtic not that long ago, twice I think. Um with with, with Paris Saint Germain. Um the levels are there that make this a possibility. So it is there. Just as we can knock eight past Hamilton or or absolutely toast someone at home. It's not going to happen every week, but it can happen and it does happen. Um, the nature of losing five goals in 21 minutes is chucking it. It's the r- rapidity of that. It's the, 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 the cluster collapse um, that is the worry. It was the cluster collapse in Amsterdam. It was now two cluster collapses in um the space of what uh, six, Nine seven, months. eight months, whatever it is, at Parkhead, uh, that suggests whether Goldson's in the pitch or not, this Rangers team have a habit of losing their mind, losing that collective will to to stem the bleed. Um, and you know, Gio's making a triple substitution or trying to make a triple substitution at three one down, the front three replacing. Um, he couldn't make that before it was four. Now, it, it kind of rings, it reminded me of, of Ian Ferguson's conversation with Dick Advocat not long after the, the, the 5-1 defeat at Parkhead uh, in 98. Um, when Advocat similarly tried to chase the game and Fergie was furious that, look, we're going to lose, but it's about stemming the flow. It's about just digging in and keeping this respectable. And, you know, we, we don't go there and do that. So there, there was a wee bit of that. There's probably a wee bit of it in it at the, at the outset. And I'm really interested in, in, in your thoughts, Adam. I, I know people wanted us to have a go. Um, people wanted us to show a lot more bravery and spirit than we showed at Anfield. I think that was kind of inevitable. I, I feel expected Rangers to do that. Personally, I wanted to see that just on the ball, off the ball, the, the pace at which we played, the pace at which we pressed, um, our bravery in the tackle, our bravery you know, with the ball at our feet. I didn't think that necessarily needed a change of shape. I think three at the back, I, I didn't have an issue with keeping that. Tillman out in the right, obviously I, I wouldn't have um, tried again. But you're still playing against a team vastly out of our league. And I, I thought that the starting... Pistol um, was fired with a touch of naivety, as exciting as it was to, to to go ahead, and as as pleasing as it was to see Rangers. You know, not not was it all out attack. We we, we kind of picked our moments the way that we we kind of did against Braga and, and, and Leipzig at Ibrox. Um, but even then, it, it we didn't recover, we didn't adjust on the bench, and we didn't adjust with the the, the the pros on the pitch when it clearly started to become apparent that the tide was turning and the wave was fucking massive. And I think that's what we're taking away because we were all just, that, that wave crashed over every single one of us. Five goals in 21 minutes is, is symptomatic of something far more worrying, and we're going to talk about the manager and the future of the season, I'm sure, in a minute. It isn't about... Um, Wednesday night. No, um, on that point about shape. No, I think you're right. I, th- I think we always we always say we get hung up on shape. It's more about intent. Um, yeah. Uh, so in theory, yes, you can have 
that at Ibrooks and if you're playing Tillman instead of Sakala um, uh, and you're putting King in instead of I don't know a, a Ryan Jack or whatever you're, you're still going to have um, the same intent from all the other players and you're still going to be able to set yourself up in theory the fullbacks will be higher than they were so I, I, it's a, it's an intent thing in, in terms of your game plan rather than shape 100% so yeah I don't think it would have made a huge amount of difference if we'd done that and we might have retained a bit of defensive solidity but I'm interested in the thoughts on this because, David, everyone was back to, and I've seen it quite a lot, I do it myself, Stephen Gerrard wouldn't have lost that game um, in that manner uh, in terms of um, losing so many goals. Famously, I don't know how many well, how many games was it, 150 odds and, and never lost by by three goals um, and only lost by, by two and four or five occasions, I think it was. Um, that mentality has always... Parts of Rangers' mentality has always been in question um, over that this last four five year spell. However, there was never a, a kind of throwing in of the towel. And you think of those defeats that we've had, even if you discount Napoli, uh, as we said, um, Amsterdam twice at Parkhead, and then um, the game on on Wednesday night. Those type of collapses of cluster goals never happened. Um, and I think it's maybe to do with kind of defensive structure, um, if you like. We change so much. We change from a four, we change to a five. We have enforced changes in terms of partnerships, etc. When you when the going is tough, like Martin said, and you have to fall back on, right, let's just do the basics and get things going. I don't think we've got the same solid feel to us defensive mid centre halves back to the keeper than we did maybe a couple of years ago and maybe that's the thing maybe we then get ourselves into a tough moment in a game and we don't have that same tactical cohesion the same drilling of the defence the same repetition the same comfort with the team that that then these type of cluster goals can just happen uh, and we can't really explain it because we're switching about so much and we're now so flexible with what we do we've almost lacked that kind of comfort blanket if you like yeah, we've lacked that, uh, if you like, that, that routine, as you mentioned there, because we're, we're switching, and it has its advantages, you know, being flexible is a good thing. Here's the other point, though, Adam. Um, Gerard didn't have to go into it with a five-year-older Ryan Jack, with a yes. five-year-older Cora Goldson, with a five-year-older James Tavernier, um, over and above that Tav is shit out of form at the moment, um, with a 38-year-old Stephen Davis. That, that That is an issue. Our midfield is a huge issue because we've kicked the can down the road so often that we've run out of road now. There is nowhere to go. We have a midfield that is old and tired, and it looks old and tired, and you can't be surprised when an effervescent midfield that is much better than it anyway passes round it. Um, and that it runs out of steam after, you know, 55, 60 minutes, which is exactly what happened. Because we should have added quality in there several times, haven't. Would it have stemmed the flow, just have it, but, you know, maybe not. But even so, you were asking guys to go to the well, and we're going to have to do it again. We're going to have to keep doing it, at least until the January transfer window. Because, as I say, we've just got by so long. But, you know, Ryan Jack isn't the same player he was in 2019. That's a fact. Stephen Davis isn't the same player he was in 2020. That's what happens. Unfortunately, I'm so all of us. That's why I've got no hair. Um, age catches up with us all. And miles on the clock catches up with you as well. 
and that is certainly an issue for our midfield. There's a lot of water ran under their bridges, uh, to mix my metaphor. So, yeah, I, I think that was a factor as well. But there is also a mentality issue. Um, the manager described it as um, their heads were gone when that wave that Martin talked about started to wash over them, and it was, because they stopped doing basics, they started being confused. Mo Salah is one hell of a footballer, but that was, you can't say what a great hat-trick. I mean, from his point of view, he did he did well, but he won't have an easier time of it, because there was just nothing there by the end up. There was just nothing there. People stopped tracking runs, people stopped making blocks, people stopped following the ball. Now, whether or not that is... They just their, their heads were spinning. It was mentality, or whether or not it was there was just nothing in the tank. I don't know. It's probably a combo. Um, very rarely is it as black and white as one thing. It's generally a, a combination of those factors. But the these are the issues, and we, you know, looked very much at the end like a team who had, I'll, I'll say it again, who had given up. Now, the the counter to that, and what I've made in the past when people have said, oh, they just gave up, is that. Uh, what you think at half time they're in there going right we want to lose 7-1 no it's not we want to lose 7-1 it's we don't have enough desire to prevent us it's almost like when you're playing a a, a game on the pc or on the the console and you make a mistake and you know you can't win on that particular level so you just go back to the start and go well this one's done that's kind of what they did as martin mentioned there in his ian ferguson example that's when you have to say I've got to I've got to treat this like it's one one, you know, and be chucking into everything because otherwise it's going to get embarrassing. Even though there's no chance we're going to win, we still have to make sure that we we fight for everything, or otherwise it's going to be seven one. Uh, and I go back to my point at the start: uh, had they been overrun a bit in the second half and lost three or four one, there's nowhere near the level of condemnation, nowhere near the level yeah. of inquest that's happening. They had to go some. To, to make it a catastrophic defeat. And they did that by, ironically, not going enough. Yeah. It, it, I get that you're saying the game was gone. I do. I absolutely get that. And as fans, we know that. As soon as the third goes in, we know that. The problem is, as a player, you have to say, right, to be professional lads, with the whole of the, the season that, that stretches in front of us, we have got to, as I say, treat this like it's 1-1 and we're grimly holding on for a point. We've got to fight for everything. Um and I don't think enough of them did. And, you know, this is a problem. People will pick out Barisic, and it's 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 a conundrum, for example, with Barisic, because he has been playing decently. You know, he's, he's been fine all season. I don't think any doubt about that. But here's the problem with Barisic. You know that that's coming, because we've seen it repeatedly. That's just who he is, that there will be days and games like that where you get that from him. And he could be good on Sunday, and he could be good for the next four weeks. It'll happen again. It will happen in Naples. It will happen at Parkhead. It, that's what he does. That's who he is. We know it. We can't pretend this is a shock to us. And same way he's been good for the last five weeks. That's all right if we're going to go, okay, we accept then that this is going to happen. And therefore, we can't complain when it does because that's who he is. I don't think that we can. And that's why I think that, again, it's another one of these issues where you go, we know this, yet we don't fix it. And therefore... It happens. And I think that that's been the case with several areas of the pitch where oh, well, we're getting by. And that, that sort of does it. And there is an attitude sometimes, I think, with the squad of, oh, that'll do. Well, no, it won't bloody do. Because when you are aiming to get by as often as we do, 
that's fine if you manage it. If you fall short of getting by, you're in a seriously bad place. Uh, and we witnessed, I think, a, a, a rather brutal demonstration of what that can be on Wednesday night. Um, these are the kind of defeats that you can't just shrug off. You can't, as a player or even as a fan, even as the most realistic fan in the whole world, you can't just say, ah, well, it was Liverpool. Because in your heart, you're a Rangers fan and you can't be losing 7-1. You just can't do that. You can't do it without huge consequences. And the consequences of this, the manager's not going to be sacked. You know, if anyone's hanging on waiting for an announcement, it's not going to come this week. Uh, the, the players that played there will, will continue to play. Uh, they have to, given you know the injuries that, that we, we seem to pick up on an almost hourly basis. Um, but what it does is it breaks any bond between you and the supporters. And that means that when you need them, when you need the supporters to have just a belief, uh, you know, I mentioned about faith, and I'll talk about it more when we come to the manager, it isn't there. And that is a problem. And you mentioned there that Gerard side, there was a faith in him and that team, which is why he survived two collapses after Christmas. I mean, realistically, if we were being totally honest, he should have been out in his arse just before COVID. But he wasn't because we thought, no, we can, you know, we have rightly or wrongly belief in him. Defeats like last night, coming on the heels of two four nils at Parkhead, coming on the heels of Amsterdam, fans just think, I'm not going to put my trust in you guys because you let me down. Just one thing on the cluster thing, Adam, and it's, it's the most damning thing that, that Van Bronckhurst, I think, has to deal with. Teams that suffer from those those clusters of goals, very, very short space of time, um, two or three goals, they obviously just take a game away from them, usually managed by ideologues. It's, it's happened to Pep on more than one occasion, way back, famously in that 94 European Cup final to Cruyff. It's, it's the, the kind of inflexible Puritans and they have a team that, that don't know how to, they don't have a plan B, so they, they don't know how to respond. But Gio's the anti-ideologue. He's Mr. Flexibility and um, maybe a wee bit more robust and kind of different, you know, he approaches different teams in different ways and, 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 and that kind of thing. It shouldn't really happen to those kind of managers. So and we've it, got we've sorry. got the only... The only negative part of the ideologues tactical setup, but none of the good bits. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> um, and we're still not going to go through the game, so don't worry about that. But Martin, I just I want to get your take um, on a couple of things. Again, something you mentioned earlier on. It's really two games, isn't it? It's really um, up to the third goal goes in, um, I guess, uh, and then what happened afterwards and I completely agree with everything that has been said in terms of what happened afterwards um, but with that in mind uh, you mentioned those substitutions um, they were a bit strange uh, I thought um, probably a bit strange at 3-1 if I'm if I'm being honest in those yeah. 66, 66 minute Nunez's his goal happens and then we wait until the 76 minute for the players to come on they were on the touchline for a couple of minutes I don't know when certainly when the goal went in the fourth goal went in they were on the touchline but was said to me maybe one eye on Sunday but you don't replace three three attackers with with three attackers when you're losing 4-1 or or even 3-1 I don't think for me again I lied to what David's point was earlier on 
there comes a point where you you shut up shop. So I'm very much aware that people moan when Van Bronckhorst is is negative, uh, and then maybe we're moaning if he's been kind of too positive. But at four one, even three one, you're not getting anything out of this game. Surely, the the point is let's look and see who needs to come off. Um, and if it's if it's possible at all, can we bring on another couple of players that are maybe going to do a bit more work? behind the ball in this situation. I realise it's rearranging the deck tiers in the Titanic, but you you never know how that kind of could have went. We might have been able to stem that a little bit. Uh, well, ideally, yeah. I mean, Rangers manager makes three attacking substitutions um, in a friendly when we are out of sight and it's, you know, we've got a big game coming up midweek or whatever and um, just uh, resting some players. Uh or when we're in a bit of trouble, perhaps domestically, and he he does want to just, you know, kind of go for broke. It's a game that we should be winning, and maybe it's you know we're behind the eight ball. It's nil nil, whatever. In no circumstance do you do that in in the kind of situation we were in on Wednesday. And the surprising thing is, you know, six months, eight months before, that's not a Giovanni Van Bronckhorst substitution. I don't no. think, and possibly a sign that pressure's taking its toll, that again, he's aware of the outside demands to have a goal when you're a, you know, featherweight um, in the ring with a, uh, an absolutely um, fit uh, middleweight. Um, and he, maybe he's showing signs of, of, of having... You're having his, his, his head scrambled because that's not a normal thing for him to do. Um, so there's maybe some evidence of second guessing and, and, and a lot of doubt, which is not a good sign um, at all from the, you know, the guy who's supposedly leading the, the, the football and operations and, and having that final say. And, um, and, and yeah, so that, that, that was odd at the time and, and it's just become more worrying, I guess, the, the more we've ruminated on it. And I guess we need to contextualise that with the only four players left on the bench. Um, I know. The out- outfield is Adam Devine, James Sands, Tillman and Yilmaz. But, I mean, there's things you can do in there. You could Barisic in the back five. Yeah. Um, Sands coming in to sit in front. Devine to sit in front of Tavernier. Tillman to come in and sit in the middle and just give us another another body. Maybe not defensively, but just another body that maybe a, a Matondo or a Scott Wright aren't going to do. So rearranging deck tiers on the Titanic stuff, fair enough, but I thought it was worthy of mention. David, last thing on the on the, the game itself before we go on and talk about future, um, etc. Appreciate the financial chasm, 100%. Appreciate we've got injuries. Appreciate what the team did in the first half. Appreciate how it collapsed. Appreciate that Liverpool are... A fantastic pressing team, etc. But some of the mistakes for those first four, three goals in particular, um, are pretty unforced errors. Tavernier's right in the middle of the park, inexcusable. You can't do that. And then same for the corner coming over. Um, Barisic acting like a fifteen-year-old going and running up and trying to get the ball off Harvey Elliott and completely leaving the left-hand sides ripped open for the second goal. And then obviously McGregor just kicking the ball straight out into the middle of the park for, for the third goal. Um, they aren't forced errors for me. They're unforced errors that we have decided to do. You could say it's wrapped up in the pressure of the game. They might press us, they might do this. They're a high-quality team. But they were three pretty big errors in the game. Not anywhere near suggesting um, we would have went on to win the game. But three of them, 
for the first three goals for Liverpool, we really can't afford to be doing anything like that at this level. No, to get anything against Liverpool, we had to be pretty much as close to perfect as we can be. But these are quality issues, Adam. And lesser players make more mistakes than good players. That's a fact. You're never going to get a situation. You know, People can tear their hair out about this. It will happen again because that's the level that our players are at. It, it will very occasionally happen to Liverpool. I've, I've seen Alisson kick the ball straight out to forward, but it happens far less often because he's a much better goalkeeper in terms of the ball at his feet than, than Alan McGregor. Um, with McGregor, look, that's who he can't kick the ball. He never has been able to kick the ball. So we can't really be hugely surprised that in uh, a, a system that involves him kicking the ball a lot, that you know, percentage yeah. suggests that there's going to be some errors in it. And, you know, clearly there were. Barisic got... That was that was a combination of things. That was he was too safe repeatedly in the first half, which he has been a lot, and uh, the crowd got on him. And when they got on him, uh, that affected him. And then in the second half, he makes a decision that he doesn't really want to make um, by goal, but he thinks I better do this because you know I want to be on the front foot. I don't want them getting on my back for passing the ball. But I'm not blaming the crowd by the way. It, it's him because he is far too often he turns down a pass um, that he could make. Not, you know, I'm not saying that he needs to do it all the time. And again, it's about picking when to do that. A better player would say, yeah, I do want to be on the front foot, but I'm not going charging up there because there's nobody behind me. That's that's what the manager means a little bit by your head going. Uh, and that's what happened to him. And Tav, Tav does this. Tav is having a dreadful season. Let's be you know, quite upfront about that. I don't think he's fully fat. I think he is playing through an injury. I think everybody can see that, which is very brave. But um, he's struggling. He's struggling very badly. And uh, he gave the ball away a lot. I mean, I'm struggling to pick out a game where Tav's played well this season. Genuinely, and I don't mean that in a derogatory. He's been fine in a few of them. But um, he certainly hasn't been anywhere near the level that we're at. And I do, you know, put an asterisk next to that because I think he is trying to play through an injury. But, you know, these are... These are quality issue, quality issues, Adam. That the higher that you go, and that's why the the comparison when people make about, well, you know, we should be beating Motherwell and St Mirren, etc. But it, it it isn't quite as valid because our players are not as good as the Liverpool players, right? I mean that that's the issue here. Um, so yeah, our players are better than the St Mirren players, but the level again goes up to. You know significantly more. These are the among the best in the world, right? Um, so what you have to do then is be careful. You can't make errors, firstly with your feet, but secondly, mostly with your mind. And our players did that, and then compounded it because once they started making a few that you've mentioned there, they started making a lot. And if you look at goals, sort of four to seven, there's four or five Rangers mistakes in each one because at that stage now everybody. Uh, the thought process has gone out the window completely. So, yeah, look, uh, I, I, I like to think that we're all reasonable here on heart and hand, and I think most people would agree that we tend to be. But it, it just keeps coming back to the fact: if you're a Rangers team that loses seven goals to anybody, you will get you will get criticised. If you're a Rangers team that loses seven goals, whereas you've pointed out you played a big part in it, then you're gonna get you're gonna get done because this was not a game where Rangers got done by one or two mistakes. That can happen. 
you know, the St Mirren manager at the weekend was bemoaning the fact that three of our goals stemmed from mistakes from their players. It's when you're making 30, 40 mistakes in a game, which is exactly what we did in that second half. I accept our players will make mistakes, by the way. That's, I go back again, it's a quality issue. But you can't make as many, you can't make them as rapidly, and you can't make them all in the same move. And that's what Rangers did. Um, And they didn't do that last year in the Europa again. You know, there is a jump. Uh, People talk about Dortmund and Leipzig. There is a big jump from Dortmund, Leipzig to Liverpool, Man City, Real Madrid. That's that's just a fact. That's why these teams are not going to be at the business end of the Champions League. But it's the principle of the thing. It's still not making as many mistakes uh, as that and having the confidence in yourself to do that. This Rangers team, we spoke about it after Anfield, this Rangers team did not believe for a heartbeat that it could get a result at Anfield and the game panned out that way. It did believe it could do something at home right up until the second goal went in. And then almost the really frustrating thing for me is at 2-1, they all went, oh, I knew that was going to happen. And they basically then allowed that feeling, that lack of confidence, that lack of belief to overwhelm them and you were up against a side who ruthlessly took advantage by the way though you know Jurgen Klopp said afterwards in the press conference Martin and I were at it he said he said uh, look I'm delighted but I'd have been delighted if we'd won this game 2-1 well why did you send on Salah Thiago and Jota that that that's that's cheating that's just grow up Jurgen Klopp a big idiot I know you know 3-1 you should have told them right lads no I'm only kidding we handed a team who needed a confidence boost because things aren't going great for them domestically we handed them a confidence boost and they ruthlessly took it Um, but we were absolutely involved in that uh, and we should have been able to keep the score down on the substitutions by the way just as we add on point I think it goes back exactly to what you said Martin that Dutch thing of Right, we'll go and chase it. Whereas I think, you know, a big club, we, we tend to go, no, don't get humiliated. The game's gone and we're a wee bit more realistic about it. But I think he also kind of felt he had to. It was a bad mistake. It'd be nice if he could chase the game against uh, Dundee United at home rather than uh, that situation. But yes, anyway, on to league matters. Um, Martin, where, where does this leave us? Um, I think David mentioned earlier in the, in the show um, I think personally that the the board will disassociate this European campaign with the the facts in terms of investment that's come in, in terms of where the domestic season is, which, given the result the other week, is is bordering on absolutely fine. Certainly nine 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 games, seven wins, um, a draw down to nine men, and then obviously an absolute horror show at Parkhead but a loss at Parkhead if you take away that, that 4-0 part of it a loss at Parkhead isn't entirely unexpected ever um, where, where do you think it, it leaves us because I, I don't I've said I don't think we, we are good enough in terms of the players that we have in terms of the style that we have I don't think we're good enough to go on and comfortably win the league um, if we did I think it would need a, a massive uptick in tactical cohesion possibly some players coming in more likely Celtic falling off a little bit for it to happen. But I also don't think it's going to get bad enough that we're going to say, right, I think he, he needs to go and he needs to go now. So we're quite a lot of people, I think, feel quite in a sort of state of apathy, if you like, or, or what what's going to happen. Some want them out immediately because they know that's going to happen. Some are willing to be a little bit more hopeful about it. Where, where do you lie on that? Where does it sort of leave us? Do we, can we 
disengaged from the European results. The team certainly have done in the past when we've saved our best moments mm-hmm. for Europe and, and then came back to the drudgery of Scotland and not. Can we flip it around? Uh, well, that very much depends on on Gio's ability to uh, compartmentalise this result. Um, we, we saw a decent effort at it or the weekend because you know uh Anfield was hardly uh, a walk in the park for us either even though the the scoreline was a hell of a lot more respectable the the 90 minutes were not and we were able to shake that off um quite quickly uh this is obviously a a far different challenge the scoreline is sensational um it's away from home um, just, just when we looked like having some kind of stable defensive cohesion, they're both seemingly injured and unavailable for for, for the weekend. Also, have to wait and see about Ben Davies, but um, that's just so typical of of Rangers, certainly Rangers at this moment in time. So there's a lot to to deal with, and just to put this in a box and say, well, you know. We're not playing Liverpool again at the weekend, lads, and um, you can treat that accordingly. Uh, whether he's able to do that or not, I, I don't know. He looked, understandably, shell-shocked on, on Wednesday night, um, close up. Um, he wasn't able to really answer some of the questions that were coming his way. Um, I don't think he could think clearly at that point. No, I don't, I don't and, think he could. I, I think, think anyone you know, reading too much into it, um, and I know it's difficult not to after a, a defeat. He was that was a guy that was suffering, and yeah, I don't think understandably his was, so. was fully taking it in at that yeah. point. I mean, if it, my position and the board's position may may be different. I, I always think there are three levels to this, Adam, in terms of a managerial future. The only question for all the noise and stats and what about this, what about that, and uh, there's only one question that's ever important to a board of directors, to a fan. The players isn't necessarily about the, the past, although that that's what, what um, can support your answer. But it's do you have faith and confidence that this guy can deliver you to your objectives? Objective clearly for Rangers the League Championship. That's all that matters. The only question that matters. Um, and if you've seen enough to give you that confidence, then great. Um, the, the the problem and it's why Arsene Wenger probably stayed at Arsenal far too long is that um the past was was clung on to far 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 too long, um but that that's it so I think there's three levels you're either completely confident and happy, or you have concerns and you would be looking maybe at what are the other options because it's still part of the conversation when you're you're maybe thinking about firing a manager, um can we replace with better, um. And then the third stage, which is, don't care, for the love of God, he has to go. Now, I'm not at three, but I I'm, I would suggest I'm at two. I'd be interested to see realistically what we could do. Um, because I'm not, I have concerns about um, his ability with this group of players to get through, and I know you hate this, but get through some of the more mental challenges that Scottish football brings and that that's going to come to us just because of the way the fixtures are in the winter when we come back for the World Cup not in the near future 
Sunday could be a wee bit awkward because of the situation, but we, we have a, a good run up to that World Cup. I just, because of these clusters and because of the, the inability to um, turn those draws into wins away from home, um, the tendency to, to, to concede late, I'm pretty right, um, someone will correct me, I'm sure if I'm wrong, I think Conor Goldson's goal in the first day of the season in August 2019 is about the last time Rangers have scored a win on extra t- uh, injury time. We don't do that. We certainly don't do what Celtic did on Saturday in a million years. So there's something I think lacking just in, in Wednesday was a horrific and extreme example of what I'm talking about um, where there's just this this weakness at key moments and you need that, you need that to go over the line. So I personally would have huge concerns about that that ability unless it's really handed to us with a, a Celtic meltdown and it's just you know, who's the least worst over the course of a season? And to be honest, Adam, I'd take that this minute in time just to get my hands back in that trophy. But, um, you know, we'll see. I don't think the board will be remotely near where my head's at. They will look at um, what he's done, what he's brought in, in in terms of prize money and and, um, and and whatever else. And if look at the table, which is only ever a snapshot, does not tell the whole story and, 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 and nuance and trends, whatever, and say we're only two points behind. Oh. Going into a run of games and them having a run of games, which could conceivably, and it's nowhere near outside the realms of, of um, reality, that we could be enjoying the World Cup with Rangers top of the table. That's perfectly feasible. But that doesn't tell the story of what's to come around that corner. I think, Adam, that on, Adam, uh, on Martin's point there about the three stages, I, I completely agree with that. Uh, I'd also place myself in column two. But I think you have to remember that the board will come at this from a position of how can we justify keeping him, not how can we justify sacking him. They don't want to sack him. Yep. So it would need to get to a pretty bad situation before that would happen. For the reasons that Martin said, incidentally, you know, that, that he did get us to the Champions League, he did the Europa uh, League run, etc. Uh, the Scottish Cup, they will use that because that's what you do. You you know you look for reasons. Similarly, people who want them sacked will go, yeah, but six points, leads collapse. You, you build your case yep. from the available evidence, and and the board will be coming at it from a I want to keep them. So what evidence have I got? And there is enough, by the way. There is you know people might not agree with that, but you can justify either case, which is probably why I'm in the middle at the moment. It's the again, Martin touched on it. I mentioned it earlier in the week and no apologies for repeating myself. It's the faith thing. A manager needs to engender faith so that when the waters get choppy you have some ballast. Uh and that that doesn't have to be a logical thing because it's it's about how do you feel about the manager. Um Gerard had it because we were all a bit dazzled by you know, me the worst for it, but we were all a bit dazzled well, maybe you, Adam. Um we were all a bit dazzled by his level of stardom, but that was that kept him. That was there when when he struggled. Walter had it through his presence um, and who he was. That when things got bad, and let's not read out history. By the way, even in that second spell, there were people weekly chanting for Walter to go. Oh, the football's rubbish. Remember that? Um, mm-hmm. You know that. So let's let's not rewrite history. This always exists. But Walter in the main with the support 
because he was Walter and he had that presence and assurance, it didn't get that bad. Um, Advocate had Advocate should have been sacked 2000, 2001, but there wasn't really the calls for it up until it became untenable the following season. And uh, obviously, Sunnis had it. McLeish didn't have it. McLeish won five trophies in a row, but Rangers fans didn't fancy him right from the appointment. They didn't really fancy him. So when he did well, they were prepared to go, oh, well, it's working well. Yeah, he's, he's doing really well. Then when it went badly, they were, mm. uh, and again, people say, well, you know, that's not true. He had that bad season, the season before Helicopter Sunday. No, there were a lot of people shouting for him to be given his jotters then. If you don't have the faith that the manager can turn it round, and it does often come, Gerard's gone through an exact or a very similar situation right now at Villa. The fans didn't particularly want him or weren't excited about him. When he arrived, they made, oh, okay, yeah, I see it. Yeah, fair enough. That, when you don't have that excitement, it, it's kind of like a relationship. You know, you've got to have the attraction buzz at the start because it will wear off and then all the other things come in. The, we didn't really have that with Gio. We had the more, oh, cool. Yeah, Gio, that, that works, yeah. Um, and then it means that when things don't go well, you don't have that that sort of just deep-rooted, inexplicable, just faith just coming from the centre of your soul saying, I think you will do this. And Gerard survived a couple of times because of that um, when things were going pretty badly. Uh, the worry for me, and I think it is for everybody, is we kind of know what happens. The Gerard thing is a bit of a fairy tale, but that's why it's referred to as a bit of a fairy tale, this amazing story of a turnaround. Most times what happens in football, and not just at Rangers, at all football, is that it gradually gets a bit worse and then you have to sack him. And I think that's the feeling. And the people who are saying, get rid of him now, are saying, let's be proactive on something that we're going to have to do anyway at some point. Yeah. And they might well be right on that. I can't, I can't, and that's why, as I say, I can't turn around and say, no, no, he must stay. He's absolutely the man for the job. He's going to stay right now. Um, is, yeah. Let's put that in context. He is going to. So this is not a debate about whether he will. This is a chat about whether he should. My fear is that, yes, those people are right. And it is just going to dribble away. And you mentioned Arsene Wenger there, Martin. With Wenger as well, there was always enough decent results to give you the argument to keep him. You know, if you look at Arsenal's form over a period of years, the chart goes down the way. But if you look at it close up month to month, there's a lot of wee upticks. He was always getting, that. always getting that fourth place as always, well. Which, yeah, he was yeah. always getting a wee, always getting enough, always getting the result just when he needed. Soakshire at Man United was similar. Always just picking up a result right when it was getting to critical stage and going on a wee run. Um, and I suspect that might be where we are with Gio, that he'll, he'll do fine. But I cannot turn around and in good faith say, but yeah, when we go to Parkhead, but yeah, when we go to Aberdeen and we really need something, that they'll do it. Not totally a reflection on him. I think Martin talked about the players and their ability to do that. Um, but, but yeah, uh, at the moment, I think that it's, you can make a case either way. But our worry, our suspicion is that when you get to the stage where you can make a case either way, it generally in football ends up going one way yeah. and not the way we want it to go. I would, I would agree um, that this isn't just a geo thing, that it is that group. The problem is we have added a lot of numbers to that group over uh, the last wee while and 
well, they haven't, well, not uh, enough of them um, have established themselves as as kind of squad changers. Um, and that, that's a lot of that's been bad luck. Um, maybe it's been b- bad recruitment. Just a very quick point, Adam, on NGO's column um, in terms of support. What I have heard a few times over the last day or two, and we've obviously heard it quite, quite often over the last few months, uh, that, that, that does wind me up a wee bit, that getting to the Europa League final... Um, papered over the cracks no it didn't a good result papers over cracks a good month papers over cracks being two kicks away from the greatest achievement in the club's history the result that would surpass every other managerial achievement in 150 years is not papering over the cracks and it's it's the, the conundrum and the paradox of, 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 of football that we're in a situation where I don't have the huge confidence that, 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 that he will be able to navigate this title whereas only a few months ago he was that close to being you know having the greatest ever night but yet it's, it's possible to have those two competing things in your head at the same time because cup football is very different from league football and it's a different skill set as a manager um, but I, I, I hate that being just being dismissed as a as a little freak occurrence that, that's clouded as it it, it it was something in and of itself that was remarkable and it shouldn't just be dismissed in that way. It's by it's building your case again, isn't it? It's saying right, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about this because it suits what I want to talk about. I'm not gonna talk about that because it doesn't. Um, and it happens on 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 both sides. And you're absolutely right, but. See, you mentioned their cup managers. I think that's all of our suspicion, really, isn't it? And I do wonder, would anyone fall down shocked if Gio won both cups this year and not the league? I wouldn't. No, definitely not. Um, I think I'm the same as you guys. I, I, I don't, I don't feel as invested. <laughs> I don't know whether that's the the right word, but um, it's exactly the right word. I, I took, I took it as a personal affront when we lost a goal under Gerard, never mind a point or a or a defeat. Uh, and maybe that was just more in terms of what we were trying to build towards with with that title. However, I don't see lots to hang my hat on uh, on the pitch. That's all I'll ever really speak about in that sense. I don't see lots to hang my hat on that we're working towards a goal in terms of what we want the team to look like, how we want to play, which is obviously what I'm more interested in. But I also don't see lots that is horrendously wrong and we're losing goals akin to what we did pre-Gerrard every time an opposition team attacks us at Ibrox. That, none of that happens. So it's there are shades of grey with, with everything on it. Um, so I'm a bit conflicted. I'm probably the same as you, as you guys. I'll be, be in the middle. I, I don't think it's going to end in unprecedented success or multiple leagues, multiple trophies, etc. But at the same time, I'm not sure it's ever going to get as bad as you need to go right now, Um, certainly as far as the board's concerned. Here's a question for you both then, right? And for anyone who is kind of wondering where they are, and it's all right, but you don't need to have a definitive answer to this. Is so Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Yeah, you ha- you, you just... have to have your opinion early and you can't change it. You have, you to, say change that, it. You have yeah. to say the Europa run was a fluke because we lost to Parkhead in February. That's how it works. Or you, or you have to say he took us to a Euro final. How dare you? And yeah, no, I, I, yeah. I, know, I know, I get it. But here's just a question. I'm a great believer in the voice in your back of your head is usually the one that's to listen to. 
the one that when you're lying in bed at three in the morning and you're awake, as we all were, unfortunately, on Wednesday night and Thursday, as it turned out, um, that wee voice is generally the one that tells you what you really think uh, and cuts through all the conflicting ones. I remember the weekend of Tyne Castle, Gerard, with his, I need to go away and think about it. And I was gutted. I was like, I can't believe this. He, we can't lose him. He's got to stay, right? If Gio was sacked tomorrow, and he's not going to be, by the way, would your reaction be, oh my God, I, I can't believe that. So early, that's disgraceful. Or would you go, oh, well, fair enough. You know, um, well done, Gio. Thanks for, thanks for your service. And uh, let's see who the next guy is. And I suspect I would be in category two on that one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I would, yeah. And it's just going back to the point before about the greatest ever moment and stuff like that. Roberto Di Matteo, Chelsea. Well, mm-hmm. Absolutely. That, were that's, any of that's them? Were there with thousands of them in, 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 in uh, uproar um, about that? Because they, they probably by that point had accepted the future rather than, you know, clinging to the past. I think then that probably answers a few questions. And I'd like the listeners, do the three in the morning test, see see how you feel. But we can all, you know, complain right, right left and centre. Adam, you nailed it there. It is unlikely, I think, to get... I don't think he's going to go on a big Eck 10-game run where everything just falls to shit. No. I, I think there's always going to be evidence for you should keep him, you should go. And that that's why I think this double cup thing would be... You know, it would be so what we're going through with this at the moment. Where, of course, he's won two cups. You can't sack him. And you're like, well, did we win the league? No. Uh, 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 yeah. Hey, the board have got themselves in this position with this manager. It's it's their job to to bring us out of it. There's always going to be some sort of evidence on either side of the debate when it's never so amazing or terrible um, from week to week. But we can't control that. We can't control context. We can't control control evidence. We can only control our own opinions, I guess. Um, finishing up then with what we do going forwards. If you don't mind, I would like to exclude the last two Champions League teams from this discussion. But in terms of where we go within the next, what is it, five, six weeks um, to the, the Cup game plus the remaining league fixtures before we get to the World Cup, what we want to see is obviously very different to what I think we can see, given the injuries that are are mounting up. Um, for me, the issues are always midfield. <laughs> I've said that for for five years. Um, I'm not necessarily saying it on the back of of last night's uh, Wednesday night's game. Sorry, um, but I would like to see some big changes in there. I would like to see Charlie McCann coming in now uh, and getting a run of games purely for. My own sanity, I think, in terms of freshness, just another player to to look at and to see and to see how someone does. I'm led to believe Alex Lowry is fairly close to at least being available for the bench. I'd like to see him getting some some really regular minutes in that midfield. Um, Lundstrom hasn't been great, I don't think, this season at all. There's been a few moments that certainly at Anfield, maybe again the other night, where he's just wanting too much time in the ball. Yes, it's that level, fair enough, blah, blah, blah. I don't think he's, he's someone that I would be taken out of the team at all, absolutely. So if I was being pretty bold about it, I wouldn't mind seeing Lundstrom, Lowry and McCann at least for two or three games in this run, whether it's home games, whether it's a cup games, etc. I think just to give us a little bit of something, um, something new, something fresh, I'd be quite happy with. Take the point on 
Tavernier as well. David hasn't been great, still contributing in terms of assists. He's probably always going to be, be doing that, but probably similar to Lundstrom, I think with injuries and form elsewhere, you probably still want to keep the two of them in to give us some sort of semblance of cohesion and, and leadership. Um, Left-back is a big one for me. I think I've been saying over the last few weeks, yes, Borna's played well, that's absolutely fine. However, that doesn't mean he needs to be in the team. I think how we want to play and that you can only assume because of the player that we've brought in the style of the left back they would like to change I think Borna limits us quite a fair bit in terms of what we want to do with a turning back with it being so one-footed not being able to come inside when you're playing a natural winger on the left-hand side Yilmaz in the in the very very few minutes that we've seen um, at the weekend looked very very comfortable coming in um, looked really really good appreciate Borna hasn't been terrible and and does this every so often and we'll probably come back again but again for me I think now it's time to get him in there um I think those changes uh, and then whatever we can I don't want to say cobble together but whatever we can come up with in the attack attacking third in terms of Cholak, Morelos, Sakala um even Tillman coming back in again I think there's a semblance there of something that we can see that's decent enough and will maybe give us a little bit of excitement, maybe a little bit of hope for the future. Um, I'll come to yourself first, Martin, on that in terms of, I'm not asking you to agree with me or anything, but just in terms of the general thoughts there, do we think it's just going to be the same again and we're just going to go with what we have or do we think there's maybe going to be a bit of a realisation, maybe we should start to, to be blooding in some other players who maybe haven't had as many minutes as they could or should have? I think there will be change, it tends to. If you think back to you know Hearts at home after the the first shell in at Parkhead back in February, um, he, he tends to respond in that way. I would agree a thousand percent of it uh, left back. Um, Blood in McCannon Lowry, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, why not? It, it's stale. It is. Um, we we see it all the time, um, both at the one time. Possibly not, um, but uh, I'd like to see some some more from from them, um, and and yeah, if, if there were a few changes, they're, they're clearly going to have to be at, at centre half. Um, I wouldn't expect it to be limited to that though. I mean, he tends to throw in a wee surprise after just to try and recharge, you know, restart the whole thing. He does, doesn't he, David? And I think we're saying it will be same old, same old. Possibly, it hasn't been the case at all. Um, we went back to two wingers at, at the weekend, for example, when we've maybe not done that so much in the past, and he's got some attacking intent into the team domestically. If you look at that last game in the league on Saturday as a barometer of possibly future success, that was a pretty good performance. We've done quite well. We had lots of attacking intent. Um, so I guess it's not out with the realms of possibility that if we can somehow just ignore what happened in the in the in the midweek game, then there is a basis there in terms of good attacking football for the next few weeks, certainly domestically. Well yeah, I mean see if you saw Scott Arfield's interview with RTV after the game and I will just people watch it. Um <laughs> again if you want to be positive, he didn't look that devastated, you know, that you might expect after a seven one. He was quite upbeat and I think that compartmentalization, there you go, that Martin spoke about earlier, I think that the players have done. And I do now this this fills me with absolute dread for going to Naples that you know, if they're just gonna show up and go, Oh well it's the Champions League, we can't do anything in it. Um we're gonna get stuffed, then my God, uh, given this rampant Napoli side that are 
turning heads all over Europe. Uh, Ten goals in two games against Ajax, for example. Uh, then that, that fills me with dread. But it does, or it, it should mean that domestically they go completely different kettle of fish, lads, and it doesn't seep into the domestic game. And you're right, they did play pretty well last week and the week before. Um, got on the ball, made things happen, attacked well, have a very informed striker. Um, all of those things are true. Uh, if your mother well, you're going to come out and test us physically tomorrow. Uh, sorry, on on uh, Sunday, because you've got uh, probably a King Sands partnership at the back. And that's going to... You know, we're going to have a situation where the combined age of the centre-backs is actually less than the goalkeeper, which is uh, probably... Hmm. An unusual occurrence for us, but uh, so you know you'll have to you'll have to come through that, but you certainly should still have the ability to to to, to go on and, and put a performance in and and get the victory, um, and I I don't think there will be radical changes because domestically, I think that they they have put Europe into a different box, and domestically I don't think Giovanni van Bronckhorst feels that there will be a massive need to make enormous changes to the side. Uh, so I think that you you know barring that and a couple for freshness, I don't think you'll see massive changes at the weekend. I think that it will be pretty much going with what you're going on. The Yilmaz thing is going to be a factor because when we don't have much money and we spend big on someone, fans are going to want to see him in the team, right? That's just common sense because we're going to say, well, why did we buy him then? And I get the whole he's been signed for five years thing, but Barisic is a player that a lot of fans including myself, have kind of made their mind up on, yes, mainly fine, occasionally very good, always got these kind of performances in them. And I think we're all a little bit bored with that now, of that repeating cycle. So I think that there comes a time to say, we're going to put them in. And yeah, he might make a couple of mistakes early doors, but we're going to stick with this because the the long-term upside is bigger. It's a problem at Rangers, isn't it? You can't do that because we always have to win every single game. And that's also the case with McCann and uh, and Lowry. But I, I look at the, the run of fixtures we've got, and certainly at home, I think, come on. you know, Are you really telling me we can't afford to play guys like that in these matches? If so, we might as well just you know throw the jackets in and head home. So I, I think you know we need to be careful that we don't, you know, maybe get a result on Sunday and everything's brilliant again. Uh, but I suspect that's that's the cycle that we're we're locked into at the moment, Adam. I think that we will probably win all our domestic games and probably reasonably well and play some good stuff right up until Napoli, where I suspect we will be filleted like a fish. Um, and then everything will be a disaster again and then come back and the process will repeat. And maybe that's just what it is until the Champions League mercifully finishes for us this year. Uh, and we can just, you know, get to the World Cup. I think very much at this point at Rangers, it's it's get to the World Cup. I think that's there's very much an element of that. Um, and get to the World Cup in a good position and then come back. I mean, we're told every week at press conferences you won't see them to after the World Cup. I mean, after the World Cup, we should have a team to ride. <laughs> vintage Real Madrid's the amount of players that'll do back. So I think there is a strong element of that. Um, I, I think we'll win on Sunday. I, I do. I think we'll probably go there and, and it wouldn't surprise me if we actually played pretty well as well. Um, I think the team will, you know, come out and, and not be savagely effective, which you can. We've seen in Scotland, Dundee United took that awful result in Altmar and, and it done them for, you know, at least a month. They were just completely shattered by it. That can happen. I don't think that will happen with us because I think that 
our players have just uh, have have boxed it off. I've said right, well that's just that. That will lead to problems in Naples, but domestically it should avoid that seeping in. You mentioned being bored. They're such a brutal term for <laughs> describing a footballer, isn't it? Like I, I'm, I'm bored of what yeah, you do, but I'm, I, I completely yeah, understand I, though. I I completely get it. You don't get you don't get beat you don't get bored of guys who are consistent, right? No. It's just that it's this endless pattern, this sort of yeah, he's he's mainly fine. And let's not you know, go over the score. He's mainly fine. He's not mainly brilliant, Barisic, right? Yeah. He's mainly serviceable. Um and therefore, I think that quite a lot of us in the, the summer thought we needed an upgrade anyway to someone who could be mainly good. Um, but you'll get these wee spells where he is very good and he's putting in some great balls and the assists uh, go up. And then you'll get spells fairly regularly where he is a complete and utter ghost of a footballer like he was the other night where his head completely goes and he's not in the game. He's, he's, he's born as one of the strangest footballers I've ever seen in my time at Ibrox that you don't know when it's coming, but you know you're going to get one of the three um, and you'll get a wee spell of that and then it'll all change around again. And I just think that, again, we go back to we spent money on somebody. It's not unreasonable for the fans who don't think you're spending enough money anyway to then go, why aren't you playing them? And if it is a case of saying, well, we need to bed them in, surely you know, you've got to start it at some point and... I think that point is, if not Sunday, it's very close. This is where the freshness thing creeps in, isn't it? Martin, familiarity breeds contempt. We know what Barisic can and can't do. Um, we know what Glenn Kamara can and can't do. We know what Scott Arfield can't do. We know what Ryan Kent can and can't do. We're not going to change your opinions on those players, but when the highs start to become less frequent and, and the lows or the just okays start to become more prevalent, as is the case with... Um, certainly Ryan Kent I think obviously I've been a big big fan um, even up until the end of last season contributing lots uh, in terms of assists um, in Europe but this season just looks a shadow of that again and very very poor but that then as a fan you if you've made your mind up before and then you don't see as many highs or consistent highs as, as before you do start to get a bit bored of watching the same, the same player do the same thing over and over again if, especially if you're not freshening things up maybe in a way that we have done um, in the striker position yeah, You don't become bored if, the, if things are going well you you, you, you uh, wax lyrical about the consistency and the settled nature of the side and um, you know we're not having to chop and change and you could name that first 11 um, with, with your eyes closed and whatever else so Players are getting it, understandably. They're the ones out there. Um, and I guess the frustration, can't be an example, when we have seen some of those highs, we know what he's capable of uh, and you know we're not getting that. And the tag. Rangers don't have many £7 million players. And in Scotland, that means you are a game changer on a regular basis. That's, that's just kind of, that's the ticket. Um, so all these pressures um, that come in, um, oh, there's so many factors going on, Adam. I, I think fans making their minds up about players, that's, that's as old as the hills. Um, we, we, because you know, first impressions are are pretty um, pretty strong. Um, I think generally speaking, we all we should all want to be proved wrong if we, we have concerns about it, but I'm not entirely convinced. I think a lot of fans genuinely want to genuinely um, take delight in being proved 
correct if they've come out and, and said a player or a manager or, or a board um, are, are, are bad because in the world of social media, as football fans, we don't play the game. We can't, you know, we have no skin in the fight. We, we, we can't actually do anything on the park, but we can be right online and we can be... Um, uh, hailed as a uh, as a soothsayer and a visionary and, and 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 whatever else, those are the kind of wins. So I, I'm I'm absolutely convinced there's, there's there are fans who delight in Rangers losing, delight in players having dreadful games just so they can say, look, uh, I was I was right all those months ago. So it's it, it, the whole thing's tiring, you know. Social media and football is is, is maybe not the. Um, the greatest combination at times because it's just all-consuming. But um, uh, yeah, there are you 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 said in the summer that you just just want you demand and desire freshness, and it looked like we had that. You know, we signed quite a few players. Problem is, only one of them's really taken root for for whatever reason. That's Cholak, and he's loved. You know, he he he, he has given us something different. He is a striker, the likes of which we don't have. Or didn't have your, do- your dogs are even being you know, fans. They heard the name Cholak, and <laughs> it wasn't my dog actually. I think it's over at Adam's garden or back garden next door. <laughs> um, my, dog's my dog is my dog is everybody's gonna blame me and you for that. And it was not uh, a heart and hand uh, dog. Uh, one yes. of mine is, is fast asleep, the same, but that that's the thing, Adam. We we we, we there, there was reason for optimism, um, as usual. Fans get a bit excited, and um, we. We project Tillman, for example, projected his potential on him immediately, and the club from which he came, uh, and therefore we had decided that this guy was the the, the, the final article. When he's not as much a, as Andy McGowan did, he's a kid. Yeah, Andy. Andy is taking that um, uh, on, a, on, a, on a weekly basis. Um, that's again that, that social media. So we demanded freshness. We thought we were getting it, and only one of those signs really. I mean, Ben Davis, Tom Lawrence have been very unlucky, um, obviously, with, with injuries. So it is the same old faces. The faces that we decided ages ago were, were kind of done with. Yeah. Um, and that's that's a problem. That's a problem right there. Definitely. And that comes down to recruitment. Um, we can argue from we're, we're very much out of time here, so we won't, but we can argue the point around we spent money on Matondo and Yilmaz. We haven't seen much from either of them for various different reasons. Um, we needed midfield reinforcements, I think everyone seen, but the, the clear objective there or, or the um, priority was tying up players on one-year deals when we probably could have done with a bit more in there. But yeah, that'll all come out in the wash, I'm sure. We'll do um, recruitment reviews, etc. once we get through the season, once we get past January and we'll see how things are going with more evidence but yeah I think definitely a freshness uh, is something that is required overall never mind since this Champions League um, group stage scenario so yes never mind okay um, that'll do us for tonight we are um, way over an hour so hopefully you found this cathartic for those of you who have been listening along with us David thank you for joining me thanks Adam thanks Martin Martin thank you thanks guys and I would just like to thank the producers in London, Mike Lee and Paul Myers. If you are not signed up to Heart and Hand on Patreon, then you can do so. It's patreon.com forward slash heart and hand. We'll be back over the weekend with uh, Motherwell recap and David will be back next week for the free show on Monday. Thanks again and hopefully we can enjoy our weekends. 
Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.